The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one, welcome all. Greatest show of them all it is the nfc east mixtape which you can listen to on any one of sb nation's nfc east blog podcast network you can also watch this show on the bleeding nation youtube channel or the blog and the boys youtube channel and if you do you will see the visual stylings of myself i'm rjo Cha from btb he is the enemy brandon lee gotten from bgn blg happy monday for us wednesday for the listener pre 4th of july for us post for them lots of time traveling happening this week on the mixtape the true enemy is the person who bought Twitter and ruined it, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, been a rough weekend for Twitter.com um, and uh, Twitter's other like ancillary friends. Um, I'm big on Instagram game now. You know what I mean? Like that's if, if you have to pick one, like if you're a, a college recruit, and you have to pick a non Twitter place to go. What hat are you grabbing? I mean, it's just not the same. Like it's it's it's, it's an entirely different thing. I don't think it really makes up for it. Um, yeah, I mean. There's only Twitter to me. That's the only thing that exists. Well, glad to know you're open for discussion. Uh, would it be fair to characterize the state of Twitter in our present moment as a dumpster fire? It really would. So it's really fitting that we're doing we're talking about this on today's episode, which I think is a highly anticipated episode that's featuring a highly anticipated guest talking about their highly anticipated series that they do each year. Uh, that person, that there, is the one and only, for the first time ever on the NFC's mixtape, Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice, The Philly Voice. What's y'all stance on the The, Jimmy? Are you like an Ohio State situation? I do not like the, when people, when people say The Ohio State, it's annoying. So, yes, I'm anti-The. So you're just Philly Voice, PV. Oh, so yes, it's just Philly Voice. Actually, I've done a couple dumpster fire radio hits. Uh, over the last week with other, you know, cities who you know, don't know my website or whatever, not my website, but my company's website. And th- like, I, they, they butcher the hell out of it. Like a lot of them were calling it like Philadelphia voice and yeah, I'm not going to correct them on the air, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, they, they all, bu- it's, not, it's not that hard. It's Philly voice. I think actually our handle is the Philly voice. Mm. So I don't know. Maybe maybe some mixed signals uh, on our part. Maybe a good thing Twitter's dying then, because if, if that's your handle, <laughs> that's right. you know what I mean? We'll get rid of the confusion. <laughs> um, wow. Well, uh, as Brandon said, this is the first time you're here to talk about the dumpster fires. You've been on BGN Radio, which is where this show um, lives, uh, partially at least. Um, I don't know how you want to do this. Like, you're you're the pro when it comes to discussing this. Should we go, like, do you want to start with the Cowboys and and pick, like, to, should I, like, defend one of your your points? Like, Should we go bottom up? Should we go maybe the uh, – the 
Let's go Cowboys first. I think uh, Cowboys are always a good. Wow. I was throwing, first, maybe maybe say Commanders first, but throwing let's off go. the order of the show. RJ <laughs> also not make, making let the letting the guest dictate the show. Um, I actually think so. So Jimmy, we normally discuss matters in divisional standing order. So right. So like yeah. like this whole offseason, okay. Eagles have, have been front and center. Sure. But I do think if you hear me out, Brandon, a bit of a spin zone here. This is the Eagles first. Like this is the Eagles you know joy first you know what i'm saying like we're we're catering to the eagles fans first and foremost if we you know put the eagles on the stand first we piss them off right away is that not fair jimmy there's a reason jimmy did the eagles last is there not from philly voice not philadelphia voice i do them last every year because i the first couple years i did them i or i think it was only the first year i, I didn't even do the eagles so because i cover them year round and i bash them enough as it is so I just skipped. I just skipped them the first year, and then people were like, "Well, why aren't, why aren't you going? You're not going to do this for the Eagles too?" And I thought, you know what? I probably should just do them too. So I started doing them. So they always wound up being last, um, and Cowboys always lead off because they got Very more fans than anyone else in the world. Yeah. So like, uh, they're, they're they're an obvious starting point for me as far as the okay. series goes. Wow. Okay. Um, I will say. Um... I, I think this is the first time you and I ever podcasting together, Jimmy. I remember hearing a long time ago, like in a tweet, somebody was like, some Cowboys fan was like, Jimmy Kimsky sucks. And then somebody was like, he sucks. <laughs> but when the Eagles suck, nobody trashes them harder than he does. So I respect <laughs> him. So um, this is an appropriate series for that. So Brandon, too. But Brandon was goes say, pretty hard on them as well. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I'm Brandon coming for that time. title. Yeah, I don't know. Brandon. True. I mean, it's we we both hammer them when they're not good. And there are others, too. We're not the only ones. But yeah, I we're, we're equal opportunity. Haters. Uh, smashers of, of the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. So did you hate Jalen Hurts last year too? Do you currently hate Darius Slay? Is that where this lines up? Uh I'm not as down on Slay as uh BLG is. Uh and last year, I don't know that we were necessarily down on Jalen Hurts. It was uh-huh. more just kind of let's let's see which I would per we we were both on the they should trade for Russell Wilson uh and so were they track. <laughs> so, so that's team. been sort of the tough one to uh to live down i guess um but yeah uh we, we were more in sort of like we're not down on them necessarily we're just you know let's see it okay 10 reasons why the cowboys will be a dumpster fire uh number one um mm-hmm. is the cowboys have become a loser organization pretty simple <laughs> pretty straightforward i don't think anyone <laughs> under the age of 40 is like protesting this um but do you want to explain? Because this was your leadoff, so I, I presume this is the one you're most passionate about. Yeah, I mean, this isn't necessarily a reason so much that they are going to be bad, specifically in 2023. I guess number one and number 10 kind of marry up with each other in that they just, I mean, well, first of all, you I don't need to hammer this home any further to Cowboys fans than they've already heard it, but they haven't, you know, the Cowboys haven't been to an NFC championship game in over a quarter century. So there's that. Uh, and they've had a lot of opportunities. I think what is it? They've lost, I think, seven times in the divisional round. And then like an additional five or six or something like that in the wild card round. So they make it to the playoffs a lot. Whereas the other teams that are sort of in that, I, I guess, uh, you know, a month or so ago, somebody who covers the Cowboys put out that they have you know, not been to the NFC Championship now in over 10,000 days which is just a crazy stat. And there's only, you know, five other teams that four or five other teams that can say that uh, commanders, lions, dolphins, I think we're in there. Browns. Um, those teams have not been to the playoffs anywhere near as much as the Cowboys have. And I think their roster construction, you know, over the last 15, 20 years, it's kind of been 
the, you know, very similar. Like you can, at any point during that timeline, you can look at that roster and you can say, man, they got some really good star players. Like, you know, once upon a time there was DeMarcus Ware and there was Des Bryant, uh, you know, 10 years ago, you're, you're, you're talking about Tyron Smith at the, at the height of his game. Um, you, you could throw, uh, you know, Amari Cooper in there. You could throw guys like, uh, I mean, now like Zach Martin, you can throw, um, uh, who else am I missing here? Uh, defensively, it doesn't matter. Anytime you can, you can, you can pick out plenty of star players, uh, on and, and the rot, and they have that now. And guys like CD Lamb is, is sort of a budding superstar. You have Zach Martin, who's, you know, one of the best offensive, offensive linemen in the NFL. Um, Dak Prescott has, you know, as at times in his career looked like a star player, but they just never build a full roster that can seemingly compete into, you know, with the best teams in the NFL anyway, into January. And uh, whether it's due to injury or just they have some positions that they've neglected or just the lack of depth, it seems to bite them in the ass every year in the playoffs. And I don't think it's like just a matter of LOL, they choked again. <laughs> like, uh, and like, you know, they did like, it's just a matter of like, Oh, Tony Romo can't, you know, just doesn't have it. Can't, can't, you know, win in, in the playoffs. Dak Prescott can't win in the playoffs. It's just the, the lack of having a full complete roster seems to bite them. Uh, like I said, every, every year at the end of the year. Brandon, your thoughts. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on that. Do you think that's fair? Um, I think, so I used to, um, the, the end of the 2019 season were the final days of Jason Garrett, even though the Cowboys, you know, needlessly dragged that on a week, uh, before like not technically firing him. Like it was the, the dumbest process ever to let go of a head coach, but I used to tweet out and it would always pop off, um, kind of what you lift, you know, ripped off there, Jimmy. The, I was like, these are the, the players that the Jason Garrett era wasted. And, you know, it was, mm -hmm. it was like Tony Romo, Jason Wittens, you know, a name you didn't mention, Sean Lee, Wayne, yeah. you know, like, and, and players who had like amazing seasons too. Like, like Rolando McClain had an amazing season for the Cowboys <laughs> in 2015, you know, right. not, not a great like ring of honor player, but like you, you still got that at one point. Um, and so it, it just felt like you, you just put us all through this hell for a decade for no reason. I would add to your point about them being a loser organization. They have squandered the one seed twice in that <laughs> yeah. time. Um, and, and not just squandered, but, you know, I mean, if you're the one seed, you're in the divisional round right, right away. Um, but but did so in embarrassing fashion. Like, that is... Which one was more... Sorry to cut you off. Which one was more painful to you? 2016 <laughs> or or the, the one where they lost, they lost the Giants in, in, the, in the first game? I think that, that that's a matter of circumstance. And that Giants one, that 2007 divisional round, okay. um, that was my senior year of high school. And so, like, I, I was a lot more, like, emotionally dramatic. Um, <laughs> like, I told my... I was like, I'm not going to school the next day. Like, to so my parents. I was, like, you know what I mean? Like, I was a little bit more mature. Yeah um later and and even then the 2016 one you felt this like sense of youth it was like you know Dak and Zeke yeah. just arrived like this is, this is right, just the beginning right, right um so you know and you know in 2016 they lost to Aaron Rodgers which is annoying as it was it was like well hey like you know this is the dude whereas mm -hmm. in 2007 was Eli Manning it was stupid that Giants they probably sucked. swept them that year too I'm, I'm guessing right in they did and then there was there yeah. was the whole like it's so hard to beat a team three times in one year thing blah yeah. blah blah whatever uh, which the Cowboys did to the Eagles two years later for it's worth uh but um but yeah so i mean they are a loser organization it's amazing that they are still as popular as they are um but i mean i'm grateful for that obviously but yeah. uh but i do think and i think you would both agree they are different from the other crops or the other crop of teams in this unfortunate club that like haven't been there like 
name three good Lions or Commanders or Browns or Dolphins teams that we've seen over the same stretch of time. You know, it, but that adds to the frustration because you would assume that just like mathematical probability would suggest that you would get to one of these title games. Like maybe lose it, but like, you know, the fact that you you always manage to come up short here in this specific time frame. And unlike those those teams too, they've had two viable franchise, whatever you want to call them, quarterbacks. Like this whole era has basically had legitimate, sustainable quarterback play. Their last title was 95. Tony Romo entered the fold as a full-time starter in 2006. Like we're talking about 17 years here of quarterback play that's good enough to help you kind of stumble into something at the very least. One thing I actually uh, discovered that I wasn't anticipating was when I was writing the Commanders one, this year is going to be their seventh consecutive year with a different week one starter. Mm. So I was curious how that compared to the rest of the NFL. And I found how many, you know, teams have, you know, how many quarterbacks each team has started during that span. And there's only one team, one that is going to start the same guy uh, this year, plus the last six years. And of course that's the Dallas Cowboys. He's the longest, I don't know that you know this. He's the longest tenured starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, okay. Just well, with, his, with his specific team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that yeah, that yeah, happened yeah. when Aaron Rodgers was traded. Brandon, you're okay. thoughts. Yeah, obviously, again, you can. we're not going to go through like, all 10 reasons for each team. You can just read the articles on phillyvoice.com. But I, you know, I think that was a good place to start. I, I wanted to kind of get, Jimmy, your, t- you know, your, like, your strongest reason. Because obviously, I don't think you like mm. necessarily believe in all 10 like equally. I'm sure there's ones that right. really jump out to you. But uh, so we covered that. But the other one that, and we've kind of broached the topic here, we we're just talking about it, was Dak. And I thought a really interesting case against Dak at uh, number five which isn't even really the 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 title of this section of the article is are we sure Dak Prescott is good and uh Mm -hmm. basically I guess I want you to take us through your feelings on Dak RJ is obviously probably I think one of the bigger Dak guys there are out there so I guess I kind of want to see you uh debate this (laughs) yeah I mean he led the league in interceptions last year despite missing five games but for me it's more than that like he's not the same player he was five, six years ago when he was a a running threat and more specifically a running threat in the red zone. I mean, he was, he scored a lot of touchdowns. He was the type of quarterback in a lot, in a lot of ways, the same, like similar to Jalen hurts and that he could power through tackles. He could break arm tackles and, and, you know, he, he was willing to sort of get, you know, get yards after contact that's over. Like after he suffered that gruesome leg injury, he just doesn't run much anymore. He didn't run. The year after, of course, which you would expect, but then even a couple years, you know, removed from that injury, you know, last year in, in 2022, averaged like 15 yards per rushing yards per game, which puts him basically in the bottom half of the of, the, of NFL quarterbacks in in that stat, which is you know really surprising to see. For and he, it's not that he can't do it; he just doesn't do it. And I think because you know if he's if he's just not going to use that part of his game anymore he becomes a lot easier to defend and the Cowboys offense becomes a lot easier to defend in that he's not the dual threat that he once was when he was, you know, extremely dangerous in like, you know, years two, three, four, well, first of all, his rookie year two, I guess, but earlier in his career. His first uh, touchdown in the NFL was a rushing one. So I think that was like mm-hmm. his, like the rap on him um, originally, but he never was, he was never Jalen Hurts. Like, I mean, sure. to be very clear here, like the Jalen that we all kind of know is like the, end of the spectrum um but he he was never that um he, he did have the occasional you know get out of the pocket move around run around whatever um he had a rushing touchdown for what it's worth in the wild card win in tampa and i remember tweeting mm-hmm. then and um, twitter's been a really popular subject i can't imagine why but i remember tweeting then like 
um this is a lame like sports thing but it was like man this dude like really wants it like you know, it was such a like desperate you know touchdown but like in a good way you know what i mean like you could really tell that like whatever um you know dis- disposition he has held that like hey man we're gonna hold off whatever it was like everything's out the window in the playoffs which was really cool and exciting to see um so i mean i i agree i guess um that he's not the runner that he once was but again i i just like i don't miss that it wasn't like you know it's not like i'm i'm longing for days for him to run but but I think you might, I mean, if you, and this, I want to come back to this in a moment. If you buy into Mike McCarthy's, we're going to run the ball thing. Um, I would only push yeah. back on, on the DAC front. Um, and, and there's a little bit of self-admission from you in, in the article on this that, um, and like, I think we've, there's been this cyclical nature with quarterback discussion where people are like, well, what does he do? Blah, blah. And then it's like, well, Jalen Hurts is on a stack team. So it's like, it's okay to be a really good quarterback on a really stacked team. It's, it's okay to have a front office who understands you're awesome and wants to help you out. And Dak was not in that position last year um, and, and you know, hasn't been in a few years. And that's why I think there's a lot of Cowboys fans excited and hopeful that the Brandon Cooks acquisition, um, the fact that they were able to kind of maintain some prominent pieces on defense really helps. I mean, he has felt like somebody who's been fighting with one hand behind his back. I mean, he's the only, you know, franchise quarterback, so to speak, of the last handful of years that whose team allowed him to play out the tag. That, that isn't Kirk Cousins. You know, you know what I mean? That a team that isn't run by fools at the time. I mean, th- this is not a, a functional football operation that he plays in and for. Um, and so he has to overcome that. That doesn't, you know, make him better than he is. But, I mean, those are, are slights that he has to deal with that I think people on this side of the fence, you know, are more willing to acknowledge on a daily basis. He's a top what quarterback in the league? I always say top six, seven, eight, and that line kind of floats like on a week to week basis, right? Like every week that that finishes, Patrick Mahomes is probably like the best quarterback in the NFL, right? And then like in a given week, your top five, like I think it's probably not as fluid, but your top five are what? Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Hurts, Herbert, if you are like, you know, if you're in that mood, but like maybe Herbert's the first guy out on a given week and maybe one week um you know i don't know maybe maybe that's the week dak pops maybe that's the week uh bryce young has an amazing game you know what i mean like i think there's some some like small movement back there between the fifth and ninth spots that kind of happens on a weekly basis um just based on performance and and even like ranking like it affects how we feel about players like i i killed josh allen after they lost to the vikings like he wasn't a top five quarterback that week you know what i mean like like things like that like i think i do think that I don't mean to move the goalpost, but I think that that line kind of adjusts just slightly ever like Lamar Jackson, I would say is a top five quarterback some weeks. Like you have that, you know, maybe Trevor Lawrence starts to flirt with that more often this season. I think it just, it, it is, is loose and fluid. That's my take. Do you, do you mean, both agree that he's the second best quarterback in the NFC at worst? That's I mean, that's you not... had the, I don't know that like, I'm not bragging about that, but I saw yeah. Jimmy, you, you scoffed at the notion that some people think he's the best, right? So like, yeah, he, yeah. I, I mean, you can't say he's better than Jalen Hurts at this point. I mean, there's just no argument for that. But yeah, he's certainly number two. Um, and there's, I don't think there's really anyone that close. Like, who who would number three be? Gino, Derek Carr, would, Gino. Derek, like, that's I would the say kind cousins. of ilk you're I, talking I, about. I don't cousins. hate him okay. like like most do, but <laughs> yeah, okay. maybe, like some people would be like Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl. Like you run into that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Stafford I mean, is, is, I think, is a reasonable enough. If he's healthy, player, sure. But yeah, yeah. He, he was he was not healthy last year. Um, my final thought on the Cowboys, and then we could move on. Um, is I, and I don't oh. have like a like I'm gonna lose sleep at night over this t- sort of take. Um, but so number two, um, I think it's important to use the headlines. Um, is Mike McCarthy is still the head coach with the Pinocchio yeah. um emoji, and number three is kind of like a subset of that to me. 
Um, they hired Brian Schottenheimer to be yeah. the OC, LOL, with the the tilted laughing <laughs> emoji. Um, I do think, and Brandon knows this, when Michael McCarthy said we want to run the ball, whatever, like no, nobody has let that go. Like that 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 was such a in my if you if you read the tea leaves, if you look at the actions the team has actually taken. A week after he said that, they cut Zeke, they traded for Brandon Cooks. But like people want to like just clamp onto that and act like he said that, that he wants to be army navy you know what i mean and so i do think there's a little of like over analyzing on that and brian schottenheimer like do we all really care who like who it is that it's brian schottenheimer like it mike mccarthy's the play call like that's the most important element to me i don't i think again we're we're really over assessing the value quote unquote that brian schottenheimer brings to things that's my point i i am sort of a mccarthy defender but it's only because i think that the the mccarthy bagging is is loose and mostly unsubstantiated. Maybe not from people like you two, but like there are people who hate him because of, you know, stupid, dumb things and narratives that Aaron Rodgers twisted in his direction. <laughs> so I, on the reading the tea leaves part, I mean, they needed a receiver. They had to get one because that was a major hole that they, that they had last year. So that they created uh, what, for what it's worth. Yeah. Whether that was going to be cooks or you know, Deandre Hopkins or fill in whatever receiver they went out and they got one, which they had to do. So, you know, I, I get the, 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 the point being made that, you know, they're, they're going to throw the ball because they added a receiver. But I, for me, the tea leaves is they hired Brian Schottenheimer. Like he's been an offensive coordinator in the NFL for what, like 10 years, uh, 10 different seasons, something like that. And only one of those seasons was, was he in the top half of the NFL in passing attempts? And that was 13th. And that was like 2007 with the Jets one year. Uh, they were probably very bad. I don't, I'd have to go back and look, but they were probably very bad and they had to throw because they were behind a lot. Um, so he, you know, and he basically said, you know, which everyone ran with, of course, we want to run the ball. Right. But also I think the owners made pretty clear they want to run the ball. And I guess, I guess the tea leaves that work against that are, like you mentioned, they, they cut Zeke. All they have left is Tony Pollard, who has never really carried the load for a team at any point during his professional or college career. So they're heading into the season with him. Maybe they add someone between now and the beginning of the season. And I probably assume they will uh, because beyond him, there's just not much there. They of course drafted the little guy out of, uh, out of Kansas state. Little guy. Kansas state uh, what, what they, have? They, they, they have Rojo, I think. And, mm -hmm. uh, and Rico Dowdell has been there for like 13 years. Dowdell, Malik Davis. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that's my point. Like is, you yeah. know, they're not, you know, I do. I think they're going to throw the ball 40 times a game. Like Brian Schottenheimer Seahawks in 2020 um, at the beginning when Russ was cooking. No, but I don't think that like, again, I think, I think everybody ran with, I think Mike McCarthy is easy fodder for a lot of people. I think the line is a stupid one to say in today's day and age, but I also think, and you have to be willing to give McCarthy some credit here, which I know neither of you are. I think Mike McCarthy knows the, the people he works for and knows that they built their NFL kingdom, you know, behind the NFL's all time leading rusher. It's, it's dumb. It's silly. It's outdated. It's whatever, but the Joneses want to be the team who runs the ball. So McCarthy knows what he has to say when he's in front of a microphone. And I think he's a humble enough guy to, to do that. Um, I think he manages the dichotomy between being the head coach and having Jerry Jones and whoever be involved better than his predecessor, which people kind of gave Jason Garrett weird credit for. Um, so I, I think he knows which itches to scratch and which ones he's allowed to have. 
Um, the other thing is like within your um, assessment, I'll call it of McCarthy, you talked about how he's not the analytics guru he hyped himself out to be. Mm -hmm. That's another thing like the the lie is something people have never let go of him. But he has he <laughs> has big been, deal. But he has. I think again, you're taking it super literally, though. Like you're you're taking yeah, it to I mean, mean, literally he, lied. He watched, but you're saying you're taking it to mean he watched nothing. Like he, he didn't say like, oh, I watched absolutely nothing. I why would you say it at all? Lied. I mean, again, I don't want to debate something from three years. But my point is, um, they are a much more analytically driven team than than they were. And, and again, I'm, my point isn't they're the most analytically heavy team in the NFL. They're the Eagles. They're fourth and wanting it all the time. But they do do things that are unconventional. I don't know if either of you remember their crazy comeback against Atlanta in 2020 when uh -huh. yeah, um, yeah the, the weird the weird onside kick that was the, just kind the of watermelon kick yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so in that game uh, they were down 15 and scored a touchdown right so that's the like you're down nine do you go for two do you not go for two mm -hmm. that was like his third game as the team's head coach and they went for two right away every I mean like people still will refuse to acknowledge nope you you always you you keep making a one score game blah like. Those are, are areas where there have been market growth. In, in in my mind, in my estimation, as somebody who watches this team and covers this team every day. Um, so, you know, I think you guys just, you know, I think you have fun at, at McCarthy's expense. And that's okay. You know, I have fun at Nick Sirianni's expense and his dumb highlighter on his visor. So. The one thing I wanted to touch on, though, before we move on from the Cowboys to someone else, is actually I think the, the biggest concern for them heading into the season is that offensive line. Mm. I mean, in my mind, that thing is a ticking time bomb. And I'm sure, you know, you've talked about this extensively, but um, Terrence Steele, he's got three torn ligaments in his knee. I saw, I saw like, you know, someone tweet out, you know, basically, I don't know if it was Stephen Jones or, or McCarthy or Jerry Jones said he's probably not going to be ready for a training camp. Yeah, no kidding. He's not going to be ready for week one. He's got three torn ligaments in his knee from December. And then even when he is uh, available at some point, I have to imagine that his, you know, lateral movement skills are just not going to be there. I mean, not not to what he was able to do previously. And he was already kind of more of like a masher in the run game than he was sort of a, a, a premier pass protector. So now if he's not there, who starts at right tackle? Is it now Tyron Smith moves over there, where, in my opinion, I thought he kind of struggled a little bit at the end of the year last year when he was playing over there. And then you have Tyler Smith playing left tackle. And then, you know, obviously if you have, you have Pete at center, you have uh, Martin at right guard, but left guard, man, the depth on, on this offensive line, not looking great. Like, who is it? Is it Chuma Adoga? They sign in free agency. Is it Matt Farniak? Is it Josh Balls? Probably what the backup tackle more than he is a, a backup guard. Stunk when he had the fill in against the Texans last year. Farniak stunk in the beginning of the year last year. So, what it's probably Adoga who basically kind of been like a career backup to this point in his career. So, you already have one guy that's going to miss some games in my in my mind. You have another guy in Tyron Smith who is eventually going to go down. At, I mean, we, we pretty much have to expect that at some point he's going to get hurt from for however long the rest of his career is. And I just don't think they have the horses to fill in if slash when they suffer some injuries along that line. I think that's really fair. Brandon would agree. I trashed them for their approach to this last year, and Tyler Smith saved them. Uh, when Tyron Smith, to to I wouldn't say, even say your point, the collective point, Tyron Smith predictably went down right before the season, uh, season started. Mm -hmm. uh, Jason Peters helped save them too. Like they were really great at kind of managing things and in, in spot duty and just kind of. Um, and I think that's where Cowboys fans feel a lot of unease. Um, for so long, it was really chalk, like who your offensive line yeah. is, like left to right, and so now it's like this is how the other half lives. 
Um, you're right. Like the the line you listed out, um, like your projection for their starters is, I think, how most people agree it should be. There's a lot of people who want Tyler Smith to start at left tackle right away. And then it's mm-hmm. a matter of like, well, what are you going to do with Tyron? Are, is, are you going to play him at right tackle? What about if Terrence Steele is healthy? Are you going to still do that? The Cowboys have thrown out the idea of playing Terrence Steele or Josh Ball left guard. That could just be gamesmanship or whatever, but they've talked about it at least publicly. To this Terrence Steele playing guard makes sense because he's not going to have that lateral agility anymore. Well, so maybe that, I mean, but then again, like, you know, so you, even if after you find the amalgamation you like, it's even if yeah. you're like, I want Tyler at left tackle, I want Tyron at right, and I'll put Terrence Steele left guard. We just talked about how Dak Prescott is the longest tenured quarterback in the NFL, starting quarterback. He has never had Tyron Smith for a full season, ever. The, the last time Tyron played a full season was 2015. So what yeah. happens when that happens? Are, are you are you kicking Terrence <laughs> back over to right tackle? Are you, yeah. are you playing Josh Ball at right tackle? Matt Willetsko, um was the, the fifth round uh, pick they got yeah. for Amari yeah. Cooper last year. He, he didn't play it all last year, but there's a lot of hype. I mean, you know how it is this time of year. Um, yeah. So that's I, I agree. That's the largest level of un, it's the most objective unease that you can find with the roster. There's a lot of points where you can be really optimistic about what they've done. Um, and, and I think you can find computations that you like here. But it's like if we turned injuries off, then cool, like let's ride. But um, injuries are a factor that they're likely going to have to deal with, plus regression from injuries, uh, which obviously, to your point, takes time. Brandon. Mm-hmm. All right, time to move on to another team. But real quick, before we do a little fact check, that uh, 2007 Jets team that Jimmy mentioned when Shadi was like 13th in passing attempts or whatever uh-huh. for the first, they were four and 12. So yeah, there was some game script <laughs> going on there. Game script. I do, really do want to toss this out just for whatever context you think it is. Marty Schottenheimer gave Mike McCarthy his first job in the NFL. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, so like, I mean, I, I'm not promoting nepotism by any stretch of the imagination. Sounds like but you like, are. But this is the way the NFL works. Like, I think we're all, you know, you see that all the time, like when it comes to coaching. So, mm-hmm. he, he, you know, Brian Schottenheimer is a McCarthy guy. Like, I think that's that's all that's his his biggest qualification for this job is he is somebody who's close to Mike McCarthy, who happens to be the play caller for the. Office. All right. That's who are we, get, who are we moving on to next? We, I think we should do the Eagles. I think we should do the Eagles because we usually do Cowboys Eagles at the top and then we do Commanders Giants towards the end because we actually don't care about those teams at all. And then we <laughs> don't talk about them. And the listeners complain about that. Is that fair, RJ? I do think that's fair. And again, like my logic of catering to Eagles fans first. Now we should cater to Cowboys fans. This would be, I think, the one that Cowboys fans would enjoy the most. Um, So like, and you're like, like, I don't do either of you know who Giants or Commanders fans hate the most right now? Like, who would you say? The Giants fans definitely hate the Eagles more than the other team. No, No question about that. I don't know about the Commanders, but the Commanders probably don't like the Cowboys very much. Um, that's a much longer rivalry, mm. uh, m- much more established rival- rivalry over time. Giants fans freaking hate the, the Eagles have owned that team. They've won 25 of the last 31 in that matchup. The last time the Giants swept the Eagles was 2007 and the Eagles have swept them eight times since. <laughs> so like it's been total domination. They beat them three times last year. So, and two of them were like, you know, basically over by the second quarter. So, yeah, that, that's a team that – I mean, they hate Nick Sirianni. Uh, there's just a lot going on there with, with uh, Eagles-Giants. 2007, getting a lot of shout-out here with the uh, Giants sweeping the Eagles and Brian Schottenheimer's <laughs> Jets. Um, okay, so yeah. uh, number one, just to kind of start things off. They, uh, oh, and the and the, uh, the the Cowboys one-seed loss against the Giants. And that was the – And so that was the sweeping of the Giants that they failed to do uh, the three in one year. So, again um, – great times um anyway they uh they lost a bunch of starters um i think that was always going to be the criticism of the eagles so um it is what it is one and two uh i think kind of married together you can tell me if you disagree a lot of their best players are getting pretty old 
Um, yeah. Fletcher Cox is your kind of bright shining example in this sense. Um, mm. Your point. Yeah, on the uh, losing a lot of players, I, I thought they lost fewer players than I was expecting. I thought they were going to lose James Bradbury, for example. Uh, but the guys they did lose, you know, they, they lost both their starting linebackers. They lost both their starting safeties. I think J- Javon Hargrave is one of the most underrated players in the league. Like, awesome play. You look at he had 11 sacks last year. And if you look at him, you, like, if you cut him up, you watch him, there's maybe, like, one where it's the variety of the quarterback just kind of, you know, landed in his lap and it was an easy sack, which, you know, a lot of defensive tackle sacks come that way. No, this guy was like wrecking uh, interior offensive linemen and he can win with speed. He can win with power him, not only leaving, but also going to uh, another NFC contender. I thought that really hurt with, with him, you know, going uh, to, to, you know, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, But anyway, that's a big loss. The linebackers pre 2022, when you're starting guys like Nate Gary, season killers. So like last year, they finally got some, you know, quality linebacker play from TJ Edwards and from Kaiser White. Those guys are gone. Now you're putting a lot of eggs in the Nicobe Dean basket, played like 20 something snaps last year in the regular defense. So, you know, unproven player. And then the other spot is probably going to be a training camp battle between Nicholas Morrow and Christian Ellis, who, you know, only Eagles fans listening to this are, we don't know who he is. So like, you know, it's like, it's two guys that are, you know, you wouldn't feel super comfortable if you, if you have to start one of those two guys. So the safety position, I don't think it's quite as bad, but you lose CJ Gardner, Gardner Johnson, who led the NFL with six interceptions last year, despite missing five games. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a loss of production there. So you lose him, you lose Marcus Epps, who is just kind of a, uh, you know, serviceable type starter. And now you're bringing in, you know, Terrell Edmonds, who's, you know, an experienced veteran safety. You got Reed Blankenship who played well enough when he, when he had opportunities last year and a rookie in Sydney Brown. So, not only do you have a lot of guys that are, you know, probably more more than likely going to be not as productive as the guys that are outgoing, like they trapped a Jalen Carter. Milton Williams is sort of waiting in the wings for for a bigger role. I fully expect both of those guys to be productive in some way, but are they going to are, are those guys snaps going to be as productive as the snaps that Javon Hargrave gave you last year? And the answer is probably no. So I think as a roster overall they got a little bit worse. And then on the on the other side of the ball, you lose Isaac Samalo. Again, you know, really uh, underrated player. Now you got a training camp competition between a center in Cam Jurgens and a tackle in Tyler Steen for a spotted guard. So, yeah, I mean, the, there's a there's some question marks on whether or not uh they have you know, upgraded the roster. I don't think they have. I mean, the my opinion it was the best roster in the NFL a season ago. So, it's going to be hard to, to improve on that. But, you know, I think just on paper, it's probably not as good of a roster as it was a year ago. <clears throat> Jimmy, I'm curious what, you know, you, you feel the strongest about. I mean, obviously the natural regression stuff, I think is just very like obvious. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, you have to really think about that long and hard. I do agree that losing Hargrave was overrated and that's why getting Dion Carter was such a big deal. So you kind of needed someone to, Obviously, you can't. It's not a one for one, but at least have some upside to be better mm-hmm. in there. Um, can't just rely on Jordan Davis getting better from year one to year two. I guess one of the more interesting points that I thought on your list was that 
number five, they still haven't beaten any good quarterbacks. Yeah. This is a pretty crazy list. When you look at like the last <laughs> 25 quarterbacks, basically, and this includes some combos in the air for games where the starter got knocked out. Uh, certainly most notably Brock Purdy. Um, but you're looking, this is, I'll just read the entire list. Read them off. Yeah. Are you ready for this RJ? Yeah. Is this, this is not in order. Is it? Or like, is it, it's in, this is chronological. So where does in, the, where does the wash net Ryan start? What week of 2020? That was, that was week 2021. 2021. So you went all the way through from 2020. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So yes, since the start of the Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts. These are wins, not combined losses. Together. These are the quarterbacks, the starting quarterbacks. These have beaten the last two seasons. And I'm going to read it as Jimmy has yeah, read it here. That's important. Yeah. Washed Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold, pre-resurgence Jared Goff, Teddy Bridgewater, Trevor Simeon, Zach Wilson, Garrett Gilbert, Mike Lennon slash Jake Fromm, Taylor Heineke, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins in primetime, Carson Wentz, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence before he became good last season, Kyler Murray, Cooper Rush, Kenny Pickett, Davis Mills, even more washed Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers with a broken thumb, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, Davis Webb, Daniel Jones again, Brock Purdy slash Josh Johnson slash Christian McCaffrey. So which one are you list. most proud of? Like which, which like like what's the mantle hanging <laughs> yeah. on in, in y'all's office? Um, even the Trevor Lawrence one was that game was like a monsoon. Yeah. And he was just dropping the football on his own yeah. and giving the ball away. So that even even then it was a sort of a weird uh quarterback, you know, a good quarterback win. Kirk Cousins is like a legit quarterback, I guess. Brandon and I always say, like, are you a good team? Yeah. And the litmus test is, did you beat Kirk Cousins? Yeah. Yes? No? Okay. So if you beat him, you're good. Mm-hmm. I um, I think I was like one of the last people to like abandon Kyler Murray as like a prospect in the NFL. Like I, I kind yeah. of even last year was like, I don't know, man. I can, even now, like if I if I'm in the right mood, I can talk myself into it. Um, So I, I would feel a little bit optimistic about that. I would say from a Cowboys perspective, this is like among the top criticisms that that people have is like you know hey and like brandon uh, i remember you bringing this up before last season and like yeah. on a jalen hurts level like you know mm-hmm. and not that it's about just you know one and one but still um i know we talked about recently darius slay and like the i forgot the list already but the like quarterbacks he's picked off as an eagle and it's not exactly like a Trevor throw. Simeon, right uh, well it's from yeah, these games obviously I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah so right um but that that would and the fact that and you know i think you both acknowledge Dak Prescott is, is good, really good, whatever. The fact that they can't beat him, that he's not on this list, I think is like, again, where Cowboys fans come from. Like, well, hey, anytime. Well, I mean, that's my it point. It would be like, nice to actually see, like, you know, Jalen Hurts go up against Dak Prescott. Well, I know. We, we, they, they did week three of 2021. Well, now you now you want to, like, if and or butt it away. But anyway, it, it did happen. Um, so th- I do think this is a really fair point of cr- criticism. And I, I would also, like, kind of push back. And say, well, like, okay, they're playing the AFC East this year. Like, Aaron Rodgers is there. His thumb might not be broken, but like, he's he's washed. Maybe not washed, or even more washed. Matt Ryan. Like, Josh Allen, I think, has become a little overinflated. That that's a, an island I'm I'm on a little bit by myself, Jimmy. Um, Tua depends on like kind of what mood you're in, like how that's going to go. Mac Jones, if he's right, healthy too, right? Like Mac Jones, like are we really, you know, like for the most part, what sixty to sixty-five percent of things are going to remain somewhat chalk. Maybe you do play Dak twice. Maybe Daniel Jones is. Not quite as bad. Maybe Sam Howell is whatever. But I think that this marries with point number nine really well. That was what I wanted to get to. So I'm, I'm glad that Brandon brought up point number five. And I'm curious for you, you to respond to them as a whole, Jimmy, because point number nine is, is they face pretty much no adversity in 2022. And I, I, I think this <laughs> right. like locks into that. Like 
when were when were the Eagles ever challenged? And my assessment, and you can tell me if either of you disagree, outside of the Super Bowl, the greatest challenge was the Christmas Eve game against the Cowboys. Like that was that was a great objective football game like back and forth lots of drama you know whatever the cowboys came out on top obviously jalen hurts not a part of it and the eagles lost so and there aren't a lot of losses to choose from from the eagles last year like i would argue that that was the highest maybe the colts game where nick sirianni bragged for no reason uh was a a point of different kind of adversity um but so your thoughts in general yeah that was a big win the colts the colts (laughs) game they played like they played like garbage in that game for like three and a half quarters and then jalen hurts willed them down the field and and they won um but yeah, the Cowboys game was a fun one to watch. As you mentioned, of course, it was Gardner Minshew. The offense had no problem scoring in that game. There was just the, I think that was just kind of a defensive meltdown. Particular, what was the what was the play to uh, T.Y. Hilton? Yeah. Where, yeah, right, where like, really? You're going to let them convert to third and 30? You didn't know they were going to just bomb it down the field? Uh, but anyway, yeah, um, they didn't face really much adversity. They start out. Uh, nine and zero, I think it was, and then their first loss is you know at home to Washington. Very weird game, uh, not a concerning game in terms of like you know you lost some players or actually they did, I guess they did lose a player in that game in Dallas Goddard, but uh, it wasn't a concerning game where they like played horribly and some big thing was exposed in that game. They you know turn right around, they win a bunch of games thereafter uh, after that loss. So they they you know they didn't let losses pile up. They only lost two games at the end of the year again with. Uh, Jalen Hurts on the sideline uh, that their one seed came into question. I mean, it looked like they just were going to wrap up the one seed after like week 15, week 16. And then turns out they needed to win a game, you know, week 18, just to salt it away. And they did. Um, and then the two games in the in the playoffs were just really easy. They played a team that they already own in the Giants. They could have possibly asked for a better first round opponent in the Giants. Like that. that's if you could pick one team, really that made the playoffs in either conference, you'd say, give me the giants all day and we'll just wreck that team. Like we always do. So they did. And then of course, um, you know, they, they, they put it to the 49ers as well. Uh, Of course have the two quarterbacks go out in that game. And then, you know, the first real big time test that they had was against the chiefs. And in the first half of that game, it looked a lot like the Eagles were going to win another Super Bowl. And then second half comes around, they can't stop Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if and how they handle adversity in 2023 because there's no question it's coming. They're not as it's like I said, it's probably not as good of a team as it was last year. Not a lot of competition uh, in the NFC, but they have a much harder schedule this year than they had a year ago. And the other thing too, which should be noted, this is a huge point in that Super Bowl, they had every starter healthy and ready to go for that game, which is. I mean, it's just irreplicable, not never going to happen again. So they're probably, and actually the last two years, they've had really good injury health. So at some point that's going to regress. I hate the, the, the phrase regressed in the mean, but it's, you know, they're going let, to, let's, let's, let's just be real. They're probably going to have more injuries in 2023 than they had in 2022. And, and also probably 2021. Now they have something probably go, good going there. It's not all luck on the injury front. Like they're smart about how they conduct training camp practices and preseason games and all that stuff. So that's not all luck, but there's certainly some luck factored into that. Um, but yeah, as far as the adversity goes, they they weren't tested and they're going to be, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. Um, I think the mean is the only direction they can head in. Like, like you're to your point, like sometimes like when people say that, like it's a it's a player or a person or a team that's like not at one end of the spectrum, but like like I told Brandon this and and lots of people, like had the Eagles won the Super Bowl last year, like 
I think they're like a case for like the greatest team of all time. Like, it, like mm-hmm. everyone was like, like it was like the most Madden. Like everyone had every record. Everyone was a Pro Bowl or All Pro, whatever. Like you crushed every. Like you, you literally faced no adversity because you were. Like you could spin that and being like, well, there's no adversity because we just kicked everyone's ass, right? Like we're just that good, whatever. Yeah. Um. But to that point, I mean, I, I guess this is my question. I'd like both of you to answer. How many Eagles do you think had what will ultimately be their career year in 2022? That's a good question. I mean, a lot of them were just a, a lot of them are just awesome players every year. Sure. And actually, I think this should I, you mentioned earlier. I think I'll touch on this too. You mentioned the age of of a lot of the a lot of their best players are their oldest players too, and that which makes sense for a lot of teams because you have to if if you're good. I mean, you have to to be to remain in the league as long as you know into your 30s. You have to be good, but they actually have more 32 plus year old starters than any other team in the league. And the four, it's four. It's Jason Kelsey, it's Lane Johnson, it's Darius Slay, and it's Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox is already very clearly in decline. Darius Slay may be in decline as well. Uh, Haven't really seen decline yet from Kelsey. Kelsey thinks he's in decline. He has said that. I haven't seen that from his play. He's just naturally a very self-depreciating person so like but he thinks he's in the client lane johnson certainly is in the client he's he's you know as good as he's ever been but you have four guys and then if you want to throw brandon graham in there too he's not a starter necessarily but he's 32 plus years of age uh there's only a few teams that are, even have three so that's the three starters that are 32 years one of them is cowboys the other the others are the saints 49ers and bills so you know at some point they're going to have significant drop off from, you know, those in, in play from those guys and to be determined whether that's in 2023 or 2024 and beyond, or to what degree, you know, maybe they drop off a little bit at a time. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're playing a dangerous game when you lose, you know, five starters on defense, uh, one on, on, on your offensive line. And then you have five guys who are either starters or very key contributors that are now over 32 years of age. So it's, uh, you know, and they, and it's weird because like long-term they actually have succession plans in place for most of these old guys. So you feel okay about, you know, them not like these guys just not playing well anymore. And then the team sucks. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, but certainly if they fall off specifically in 2023, then I don't know that the, I mean, the young guys won't even play because they won't have a chance because you know, the, the older guys are still playing ahead of them, but it's uh it is a concern in 2023 specifically about, you know, f- potential fall off from those older guys. The way and I, I kind of got, I kind of got away from your question there. What was the, what was the main well, point of that? The way I would put it, I'll address it. The way I'd put okay. it is that, um, you know, RJ was saying how many guys like had their best year last year. Oh, right. the yeah. Eagles. And the way I'd put it is like very few people underachieved last season. Very few. Quez Watkins underachieved like unequivocally. Yeah. Who else? Like who really like underachieved on the team last year? I think it's like almost everyone. Fletcher Cox, maybe you could put in that category. Yeah. And I, yeah. Slay back half of the season. Sure. But like, yeah, it's just like few and far between. Yeah. And I think one of like the most underrated concerns going into the season is like, you just get a bad year from a good player. It doesn't mean they're going to be bad even the next season after that. But like you take a player, it might be one of the older guys could be Mm -hmm. whoever, like, what if it's just like a down year for like Devontae Smith? I'm not expecting that for him personally, but I'm saying like you could just have a guy who's good but not have their best year. Last year, like everyone was having their best years or at least really good years or exceeding expectations. So certainly that's another target of like regression and something you have to worry about is just like a good player having a down year. Um, and if you get enough of those, certainly at key spots that get hurt a lot. 
Um, but I guess that's the way I think about it. But to name a few that really like, I, I think exceeded expectations. You could go Hargrave, you could go Josh Sweat, you could go BG, Brennan Graham, you could go career James, year. Bra- yeah. James, James Bradley, Bradbury, Bradbury certainly had, had his best year in the NFL. Uh, hmm. Jalen Hurts. Would you say, would you say Hurts? Miles Sanders, maybe. But, certainly Jalen Hurts. I mean, like nobody was expecting him to play the way that Miles he played Sanders. last year. Nobody. I, I bring so, this, I bring this up. There's I, a lot of them. I've, yeah. I've mentioned this before to Brandon and I know he loves it. Um, a, a long, a, now it was a long time ago. I heard Bill Simmons talking about Jason Tatum as a rookie. And he was like, this is the worst he's ever going to be. And I remember thinking that like, like I remember <laughs> understanding the logic behind it, but I remember, yeah. I remember thinking like, that's not necessarily that's true. Like, like, yeah. like, like, yes. Like to your point a minute ago, like, the long like you have to be really good to be in the NFL or mm-hmm. NBA, whatever, forever. But like, like you could have like the greatest year of your life, like as a rookie. It's it's totally like I thought that might have happened to Micah Parsons a, a year ago, as, as an mm-hmm. example. And it still could happen to Micah Parsons. Um, so, but that doesn't mean to Brandon's point, like it you, happened with Saquon in the division. Here. Yeah, like, but to go back to two thousand seven, um, like after that, <laughs> like after that year, um, there was so much hype around the Cowboys, right? Because it was like, oh, and I remember at the time Tony Romo he did something from like some celebrity golf tournament and compared them to like the 97 or what 96 Broncos that got beat by the Jaguars and was like, we just had to kind of like whatever. And then in, like so they had all this hype in 2008. They had all this talent and they even traded for Roy Williams, the receiver. And uh-huh. that was such a like topsy-turvy disappointing year that as you both know, ended with 44 to six, you know what I mean? So like, like at the, I didn't realize it at the time that like T.O. had had a career year in Dallas, you mm-hmm. know, like that, that all these things that like the greatest, you know, part like that we were we were over the hump, and like just because you're over the hump doesn't mean the rest is terrible. But like that's why like that speaks to the overall regression. I think to put a bow on that, I think it's just like the NFL is very much I think stars align league. Like you just have to have sure. the stars align. Yeah, and that's that happened for the Giants. So there's Super Bowl titles, and like it's just hard for that to happen always. Like you have to have the right combination of things, and only so much of that is in your control. So much of it is just like luck or variance, and that's not really interesting to talk about. I feel like as a sports concept. Um, because, you know, we always want to think like athletes and GMs and coaches are like controlling things. And like, it's totally, uh, you know, this player did something right. This player did something wrong. But a lot of it is just like, well, it's kind of random sports. You never know. But uh, we should probably take a break and move on to the other two teams. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. There's the break. We're back. While we were gone, Jimmy, Brandon um, asked you what your favorite food was, and you told us. And what was it? What my favorite food is? Yeah. yeah. Pizza. 
by a mile. You guys are really boring and chalk. Like, <laughs> shut uh, up. Like, BGN radio must be such a, a drag. Like, oh, we both think the Eagles are awesome. We both hate the Cowboys. Yeah, we both oh, like yeah. pizza. That's like, what we oh, say blah, on BGN blah. radio. Yeah. Um, I mean, so whatever. Um, I do kind of feel like going to the Giants next feels right. I don't know if what topping you know. on this pizza they made I mean, the they made the playoffs. What, what uh, so I, normally when I order a pizza, I go you know half pepperoni. I'm very boring. Oh wow, only half. Like you, only you half. want the other yeah. half, like just cheese, just cheese. Yeah, you sprinkle okay. in like Parmesan and peppers on this, or like. Well, there's a reason I go only cheese because I don't think pepperoni pizza reheats as well as just. That's wild. That's wrong. That's crazy. How I are think you that's fair. Pizza? What? How are you reheating it? You got an air fryer in the toaster oven, yeah. Well, okay, toaster oven, not air fryer, toaster, toaster, like oven. you're putting it vertically in the toaster oven. No, toaster oven. No. Toaster oh, oven. okay, gotcha. I've never uh, had yeah. a, I've never toasted toast, um, horizontally in my life. You gotta, you gotta get on the pan method. I'm a big pan reheat guy. You gotta stick the cheese okay. side down first, just let that for like you know 20 seconds, maybe gets a little uh warm, heat it up, flip it, then cook the rest in a frying pan. It's a great time, it's a good way um, to do like it. Too much effort, you know, so Jimmy. All the dumpster fires are immaculate um, and not to um, say that the Giants one is really about one point because there's obviously a lot of work behind this. I really think yeah. that unlike the others, this is really about one point uh, um, and it's the first one and yeah. it's the Giants hitch their wagon to Daniel Jones. Um, I love the emoji selection here. It's the bride emoji. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but the flow chart you have here is important, <laughs> um, which I so the question is, can he win a Super Bowl? Yes, is pay him. No. Don't pay him forty million a year. I'm a yeah. little bit on the island of like, not quite the Giants did the right thing, but like I understand. Like, what did you do? Like, what what was the like? Propose the alternative to me. The rational. There was there's no good option for right. him. I mean, they they had three options because they they could either tag him, they could either let him walk, or they could pay him. And he kind of knew that. Like, he had a lot of leverage heading into, especially because he also had Saquon, uh, who was heading into free agency. So the. The, the Giants basically wanted to have their cake and eat it too. They wanted to keep both guys, so they wanted to sign one and tag the other, and that's what they wound up doing. They got the they got the Jones done deal, and they probably had to pay him a little bit more than anyone would expect him to <laughs> to, to this player, who's really not that good. The thing that like the thing that's he there's a, there's a thinking that he had you know his best season as a pro in 2022, and he certainly did. There's also a thinking that he was good, and I don't necessarily know that that's true. He had five interceptions in the season, which is an extraordinarily low number, obviously, and a lot a lot lower than what we've become accustomed to what Daniel Jones is as a player, which is a turnover machine, not just in terms of interceptions, but also lost fumbles. So why? Why, why do you have so few picks? It's because he didn't take any chances down the field. So like you look at like the NFL next-gen stats. He was last in the league in terms of, uh, quote unquote, air yards to the sticks. He was throwing the ball on average like 2.5 or 2.6 yards shy of the sticks. And then I think the other one was average intended air yards, which I don't remember exactly what the number was, but it was the lowest in the NFL. They had, I believe it was 28 or 29 pass plays of 20 plus yards last year. Worst in the NFL by a mile. I think the average was in the 40s, somewhere like 49 or something like that. Um, I'd have to look. It's in the article. But uh, they're you know, way, way, way below the average. So not just worse than the NFL, but way below the average. Now, to be fair, they had a lot of receivers go down. And the receivers weren't all that good to begin with. 
when at one point in the season, like your number one receiver is Isaiah Hodgins, you can certainly understand why they didn't have many pass plays down the field. So what do they do this offseason? They sign Paris Campbell, who can run. They draft Jalen Hyatt, who can run. They re-sign Darius Slayton, who was like the only guy that can make plays down the field for them in 2022. They trade for Darren Waller, who for a tight end is a downfield threat. Why? Because Brian Dable doesn't want to have this garbage dink and dunk offense. Okay, so great. You have guys that can now make plays down the field theoretically. But what's going to happen when Daniel Jones starts taking more chances down the field? You're probably going to have more interceptions. You're also probably going to have more fumbles because you're asking your crappy offensive line to pass protect longer for deeper drops and to for you know uh, more uh, time-consuming routes down the field. So, you know, on the one hand, what it's really an interesting um experiment heading into 2023 with this team because they already paid them I, I i equate this to last year with the eagles so last year one of the big gripes with jalen hurts was that he couldn't throw or didn't want to or was unwilling or whatever to throw in the middle of the field and also kind of like to the left side of the field he was just lived on the right side of the field they go out and they sign aj or trade for aj brown aj brown lives in the middle of the field so if you can't make good use of A.J. Brown on your roster, you know, hitting him, getting open over the middle of the field, then you're probably not going to be the quarterback in 2023 and beyond. Turns out Jalen Hurts has a great year, proves he's the guy, gets his big contract, done deal. The Giants kind of have the same thing now. That Now they have all these speed guys in their offense. Okay, now show me you can run the offense that we want to run. Problem is they already paid him. So like if he's not the guy that they want him to be, that if he's not the guy that can run the offense that they want to have, well, they're locked into him through at least they can get out of it relatively early. It's a four-year deal for 160. They can get out with a little bit of pain after two years. So, but they they have their they they have hitched their wagon to him for two years at a minimum. And if he proves in 2023 that he stinks, well, you're stuck with him on your whether you draft a guy or whatever, you're still stuck with that guy at a big cap number in 2024. So it's just, do you like Daniel Jones or do you not like Daniel Jones? For me, I don't think he's that bad. Like I think he's a, you know, middling kind of starting quarterback, you know, whether he's top half of the league or back half of the league, I think he's, he was right around sort of that area. And, you know, I just not, it's just not a quarterback that, that I would want. And you're, you're the question that you ask is a good one. Like what else could they have done and tagging them, you know, that probably would have been the best option. And for, but for them to do that, they would have been, they would have had to have been willing to let Saquon Barkley walk. And like, they weren't just going to let Daniel Jones walk because this is a team that hasn't been to the playoffs in a long time. In fact, you know, the five years prior to last year, they had the literal worst record in the NFL tied with the jets. So they can't sell to their fan base. Okay. We made the playoffs. Now we're just going to get rid of our starting quarterback who, you know, played to, you know, most people's assumptions. Well, last year career year can't, he can't sell that to a fan base. So you're right. They're screwed no matter what they did. And in my opinion, I think, you know, just this is from an outsider's view, like a, a non, like no emotion attached to it whatsoever. No, like don't care about whatever the repercussions are of the fan base or whatever. For me, their best option is, just let Daniel Jones walk because who cares? You're not going to win a Super Bowl with him anyway. Mm -hmm. That's the easy thing for me to say. It's also not realistic. Right. But so that's what they did. 
I guess the, you know, ultimately that's not what they did. They they signed into a forty year, forty million dollar year deal. <laughs> yeah, I think it kind of reminds me of it's different, not apples for apples, but like my thinking on the Sixers this offseason has been like there's no good option really for what they yeah. have to do moving forward. But so then my goal was kind of like do the least worst thing. Like and that to me <laughs> yeah. is like don't like you know give James Harden a bunch of money and commitment. Um I know it's not. You, I, it's just not realistic to think every offseason you can make these certain moves and that's going to do the thing to get you to a championship. I think sometimes you find yourself in a bad spot where you might just need to tread water, or at least like don't mess things up so bad that maybe next year you can put yourself in the position where you can make those moves to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not. I don't think Daniel Jones is a lost cause. I'm still not like out on him entirely. I think um, given the situation he was in, the offensive line, the receivers uh you know it was not a perfect one last year or not even close to perfect i think he kind of made relatively the most of what he had but i mean the receivers still aren't great <laughs> and, and the offensive line there's some issues there potentially still so yeah. i don't really know what to expect more out of him um but more i guess the biggest points to that say not really to me from your list jimmy eight and nine uh the cowboys and the eagles own the giants number eight right <laughs> the giants haven't beaten dak prescott in the last 10 tries yeah yeah and the eagles have a uh as jimmy pointed out earlier they've won 25 of the last 31 matchups overall. shout out joe judge though he got one he did he actually <laughs> he got two he got two because um he got the last one two. anyway in any case um but still like just from a standpoint of i've talked about this before with rj the Giants just deserve no benefit of the doubt when it comes to like, how could you possibly pick them to win the division? Like they, they need to earn it. They need to actually like beat Dak and beat the right. Eagles, like with any kind of consistency before you can be like, Oh yeah, that team actually has a chance in this division. They have no, they've earned no benefit of the doubt at all. And number nine. Um, and this is something we touched on when we did their record predictions when they did their our game by game, look at the schedule. It's a tough start to the year, man. Yeah. It's rough. Uh, their first six games is uh home against the cowboys who they don't beat uh you're playing at the cardinals okay no kyler murray could be you mm-hmm. know easy but it's in the desert it's on the road uh then they go back to back at there's the no 49ers. way that's kyler by the way sorry he's still hurt like yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. uh but you know you're on the road uh at the 49ers then you play seahawks at home and then you're on the road for two more games at dolphins and at bills like that's you know you're looking at a dicey start there and a good start isn't everything in the NFL, but it can snowball sometimes. It's a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. You want to get your bad teams later in the year, in my opinion, as I always say, because sure. like the good teams might lose a quarterback or something like that. Whereas the bad teams, you already know they're going to be bad no matter mm-hmm. what up front. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like it's a little shaky here. And uh, I just don't see enough evidence that I think the Giants are going to make a leap. I think it's interesting that the that Dak Prescott and beating him is a bar that the Giants have to clear, but not one for the Eagles. You know what I mean? Like the fact that the Eagles can't beat him is, is just like irrelevant. But whatever. <laughs> that's so uh, like, anyway, Dak has uh, not played well in Eagles games. And he you owns know him, that's but true. He's seven and three. You know, he last played well last year. year. Okay. You know what I mean? Like whatever. Um, so and also um, the Eagles outgained him, by the way. You um you you wrote this in the article, Jimmy, but like if you do start like they were seven and three into like to Brandon's point, like we, he and I were like, and I'm sure you said this too. Like we were like, they're going to fall apart. Like th- this is the beginning of the end. Like after everything kind of started to unravel for them and they lost to the Cowboys on Thanksgiving predictably. And then mm. to their credit, they kind of stuck their foot in the ground and didn't let things happen. They had to tie with Washington, whatever. Yeah. Um, And that like that to me, and I think it's all of us probably was like a sign of like, Hey, maybe you're just, you're not like a total disaster anymore. And I think that looking at them now, Will they be terrible? No. Will they maybe steal a game from the Eagles or Cowboys this year? Maybe one from each. Maybe, you know, like that potential lives and exists. But I think this is the difference between like 
a national like the national narrative on a team is like oh you made the playoffs like we flipped this 180 like you've gone from bad team to like really good team now it's like this is a slow turnaround like you know like, like they are no longer heading due south like I, I think we all agree with that uh, but I do think I was going to ask you both who is the most important non-Brian Dable person for the Giants or the best non not most important because that would be Daniel Jones but the best over the next two years the best player on the team, you mean? Best person, or like the, the most important that isn't like positional value person that isn't Brian Dable. Because we would all agree like he's the the top, the best, however you want to yeah. call it. Like, who's number two? Well, it's, Dan it's I mean, it's Daniel Jones, but uh, but beyond him, I mean, it's, you're drawing up like, is it Saquon? Is it Dexter Lawrence? Over two I mean, years yeah, like, though, like it's probably, I was going to say Kayvon Thibodeau. Is it Kayvon Thibodeau? Yeah. Right, but like. I can even make the argument against Daniel Jones, and and you did. And so sure. my, my thought behind that was like they're giving, if we're rounding here, fifty million dollars to two players that are maybe not the answer to that question. They, like they're giving them mm -hmm. fifty million dollars this year, and neither of them may be the answer to this question. But just that does speak to like, and I think sometimes if you're a rebuilding team, you can have a playoff year that maybe wrecks your rebuild. You know, like I think it might be good for the Lions as an example that they haven't had the pressure, the societal pressure to force them into one hand or another the way the Giants have it. Because you're right. Like, how could they have told their fans, like, hey, we made the playoffs for the first time in a billion years. We're finally better than the Jets. We're the big brothers once again. Look at us, blah, blah, blah. And then they let both Jones and Barkley walk. That would have been a bad look. I think, I think this time last year, the thing that they could really hang their hat on in terms of building blocks are those offensive tackles. So Andrew Thomas, you know, rough rookie year, much better a second year. And he was great last year, like a legit, like all pro type player. Um, one of the five best left tackles in the league, probably. They draft Evan Neal, seventh overall. Evan Neal freaking stunk last year. And there was the it was the one game against the Giants where against the Cowboys, rather, where I, I forget who was calling that game. It might have been a primetime game, like it might have been Collinsworth, where they just were harping on how. Uh, Evan Neal is getting slaughtered by who was ever uh, on his side, but it must have been Demarcus Lawrence or uh, Michael Parsons, or probably a combination of those two guys. They're just killing him. Brandon Graham absolutely wrecked that guy in, oh, yeah. in both games in in a, in a bunch in a bunch of games last year. So you know, and Hassan Reddick for that matter too. So Evan Neal owes Andrew Thomas like everything because Giants fans and and you know media and whatever were very slow to criticize Evan Neal the way that they did Andrew Thomas a few years ago, because they, you know, Andrew Thomas ultimately proved them wrong. So now they weren't like all in on like criticizing Evan Neal because, well, Andrew Thomas stunk his first year, but he became one of the best tackles in the league. So their assumption, I feel like my vibe anyway, is that they feel like Evan Neal is going to have the same career path as Andrew Thomas, because they just saw it firsthand. I don't see it that way. Evan Neal is horrible last year and that is a glaring gaping hole and again this time last year that was probably you know that they got their bookends for the for the for the foreseeable future i don't know that they can really feel that they have that now after the horrible rookie season that neil had yeah i'm optimist or i have hope that he can get better just because i i still like the pedigree athleticism size mm -hmm. uh alabama that you know i i still i'm not ready to you know say he's a bust yet i'm probably more optimistic but i could be dead wrong um so to me, it's Joe Shane, because I just think, you know, this Giants team still needs the pieces. They don't have, it's not like, oh, they have the horses and now it's about like making it work, finding, I don't, I still do not have the horses. 
Um, so I think he has to navigate that. And obviously any GM needs to draft well, but especially this one after sure. committing to this quarterback, like he has to find a way to stack this roster and like close the talent gap between the Eagles and Cowboys. That was clearly there. And the other, the best, that's, that's a big reason why no one believed in the giants last year, because it's like, okay, they have this record, but the talent, you just look at the roster, the talent's not there. Um, so I still think he needs to close the talent gap. Uh, I think Dable has done enough to where you believe that he can kind of make the most ish, at least of what he has. But if you don't have the horses at the end of the day, then it's just not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Dable is like a great chopped chef, but like, you know, you, you, you need some legitimate ingredients at a certain point. It's like, dude, we can only have you make like something delicious out of like eggs and frosted flakes. Like so many times. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, uh, so, um, okay. Uh, last one, Jimmy, 10 reasons the commanders will be a dumpster okay. fire this season. Um, Brandon once famously said that he would prefer the combination of Ron Rivera and Alex Smith to Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott. No, I did that not say that. That may be the worst thing that That's I have ever true. heard Brandon say. That's uh, not true. I did not okay, say what, that. It, it, I, I, what was the quarterback? If it wasn't Alex Smith, it might have been Taylor Heineken. It was Heineke, Ryan but... Fitzpatrick, baby. Oh, got sorry. Hurt it was Ryan Fitzpatrick, baby. And we never got to see him healthy. And it was therefore that, a that doesn't nullified make... bet. That doesn't make the take any better. Um, the head I mean, coach he got is, hurt. The head coach is a lame duck. Is your first point there? Are, I have to imagine there's like 500 words just on on Ron Rivera. <laughs> I mean, this he is. I'm so happy that you agree with me. I I feel like he's a nice guy. He's a great person. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's a great individual Beat human cancer, story. Yeah, like feel good stuff. Big yeah. fan of Ron Rivera the person, but like he stinks as an NFL head coach. I don't know where all this credit comes from. It's just mind blowing that. I forget who they lost to. It was a crucial game uh, at the end of the season last year. It was week 17. So they still had another game left, but they lost. And then in the post-game press conference, he got asked something to the effect of like, well, what if you're eliminated later today? And he was like, he like cocked his head and he looked at the reporter and he was like, kind of like, what are you talking about? And he was like, well, you're eliminated from the playoffs if the Packers win later today. And he was like, oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> he didn't know. He did not know that he could be eliminated, which is just freaking like mind blowing to me. How as the head coach, do you not know what the elimination like scenarios are when first of all, every other, every fan, every fan, the club, like, you know, follows the commanders closely. Sure as hell knew what the <laughs> elimination scenarios were, but at some point, like at some point, isn't there some analytics nerd that just finds you during the week and says, Oh, Hey Ron, by the way, um, if this happens and this happens, we're eliminated. And if this happens, this happens, then we're good and blah, 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 blah. You kind of have to know that stuff because at the end of the game, if it's like maybe going to go to overtime or you're in overtime and you have to know like what the sort of scenarios are, if you win, tie, lose, whatever, that, that's all important stuff in terms of like strategic, you know, it's the, the way that you're calling the game strategically at that point. It's just crazy that he didn't know. It's just nuts. But then also the track record that he's had since he's been with the commanders, like they asked him to, to come in and, and sort of help fix the culture, which I mean, talk about like monumental tasks, you know, you can't hold that against them when you have this owner who's just running around, you know, creating a new scandal seemingly like every week, but record wise, they're 22, 27 and one. And if the owner wasn't selling the team this off season, 
he'd have been fired. I mean, like there's no way he'd have gotten a fourth season, but they didn't fire him because Daniel Snyder didn't want to pay out the rest of his contract when he's selling the team anyway. So basically he just remains with the team out of sheer luck that the team is getting sold. And actually it's not even sold yet. So I think there's this perception that the team gets sold and then boom, changes happen immediately and everything's hunky dory. No, it's going to take, a certain, I don't know how what the timeline is, but there's going to be a certain amount of time where the team still looks a whole lot like and operates a whole lot like it did under the previous regime. That happened with the Sixers and Josh Harris, like when yeah. who bought the Commanders. Same thing. Like he kept things status quo for a little bit too, because it's kind of like, all right, let's figure out what we have here, and then we're going to make some adjustments down the road. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like a night and day kind of fix. But I think the the book on the Commanders, as we said all off season, has just been they're in a holding pattern, and yeah. there really isn't much they could have done this off season realistically. Like I was saying uh, to RJ before, like you know they weren't going to like take a big swing on a trading up for a quarterback. Like, that's not like where they are. They can't do that. Like what's the point of that? Like the old ownership's going to do that. Like, I just don't think that was ever really realistic. So um, not a lot of needle moving stuff for them this offseason. It's kind of just like, um, uh, I don't know, what's the word? Not pay as you go, like color in the lines. It's like very just like straightforward cookie cutter kind of just, all right, we're going to draft a cornerback in the first. I think it's very just kind of (laughs) straightforward, nothing too exciting or interesting. Um, I guess the one thing that I like to push back on um, and something you raised here you had it second to last because you said you couldn't completely as endorse it as a reason why the commanders will be bad in 2023. Oh, uh-huh. But I don't think people like nationally critically think enough to question why Eric B and Eric B enemy chose to join the Washington commanders in this weird liminal state they're in like over every other team. It's very hard for me to believe that this organization is like the one that got over on everyone and they were the smart ones and they hired Eric B enemy and they're great and everyone else is dumb for not hiring him as their head coach like that's really hard for me to buy maybe it ends up being true because the nfl does get things wrong i'm not saying it's impossible that that is the case but just like the idea that like wow they got the enemy uh and you know sam howell is going to be something it's just all very it's just a wasted year that's the reality for this commander's team it's a waste of a year you're just kind of hoping to get through it and get to 2024 um so you had a point in your Giants um, article, Jimmy, about how the Cowboys and the Eagles own them. I like I don't consider the last two Washington division titles to be real. Um, so <laughs> it's seven and nine. Right. Yeah. So well, seven, like twenty twenty is obvious. Like they were seven and nine, and <laughs> yeah. through through my lens, Dak Prescott was hurt. Right. So it's like okay, like that's why you won the division. Like in my mind, but like the twenty twenty Eagles were a disaster, and like even then, the final win was like thrown to them by Doug Peterson. Right. But so yes. their, their previous division title, and they still almost didn't win that game, by the right. way. Right. <laughs> so like, but their previous division title in 2015 was the the final season of Tony Romo, which we didn't know at the time. But so he gets hurt. So like, he's done right. for the year, and that was the Eagles. Uh, fi- correct me if I'm wrong. Final Chip Kelly season that was like the total, also like dumpster fire poetically. So like, they've only ever won the division when like literally everybody else was by like default. the worst. Yeah. yeah, like the worst possible versions of themselves outside of the rookie RG three year. Um, which even then what were they like two and seven and they like clawed back so like it always takes this like comedy of errors from their division rivals for things to go the way so like 
I mean, if we talk about like benefit of the doubt, like, or anything like, I'm just not willing to give it to anybody. And it's a little bit harsh, but I'm not willing to give it to anybody, like even on their team. I think you talked about Chase Young. We were all kind of willing to be like, okay, well, they got this like, generational pass rusher. Like, how, yeah. but how much are we really worried about that? But like, even that kind of looks a little bit suspect, obviously. They didn't pick up the fifth year option, et cetera, et cetera. I think mm -hmm. sometimes we um we overlook and sometimes overblow certain things. Like y'all make a big deal to Mike McCarthy, run the ball comment, whatever. But other things don't get enough tread in my mind. Um, and that's your point number five, uh, how they always have a lot of injuries. You referenced uh -huh. the, the NFL player team report cards and how they are like last in everything like that. I, I mean, does it matter as much as like being aggressive on fourth down? No, but like it's this matters in a non zero way. Like, like who enjoys going to work for the Washington commanders in any capacity? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like what, what is the reason that anybody likes working for them? Yeah. And start with Chase Young. Like he got heat his rookie year because he missed OTAs. And then last year, uh, he, excuse me, yeah. Uh, They're like, oh, he's just going to be on pup. Like, he's going to be back. Maybe, Don't worry. Maybe it wasn't his rookie year. The year after he got injured, he also missed OTAs, right. which people excused because he's recovering from his ACL tear. And then this year, they, like you mentioned, they don't pick up his fifth year option. And he's got everything in the world to play for this year. Like, to what, what how, where, wherever he winds up in 2024 and beyond, he's got everything to play for. In 2023, what does he do? He misses OTAs again, which like it was like him and two other guys. Like, oh, missing OTAs, not a big deal if you're like a respected veteran, been been around the league for a long time, have actually a, a resume to point to. I've done this, 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 and this. You don't miss OTAs by all means, go right ahead. But for this guy to miss OTAs, it's crazy that he thinks that he's above his teammates yeah. to just skip out on on OTAs when uh, he's got so much riding on a season. But yeah, he's he's turned out to be a, a big disappointment. Uh, actually, this was a point that I had in there that I wondered how it would be received by like Commanders fans and and whatever. And they actually thought I undersold it. So like <laughs> they're like, yeah, he's a bust. Like he's not be, he's not becoming a bust. He is. We view him sure. as a bust right now. So yeah, I think that's all. Um, for for me, I just look at this team, and I mentioned earlier that you know, for the seventh straight year, they're going to have a, a new week one starting quarterback. And what are we talking about here? We're talking about Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett. They, it just looks like another, another year, like any other, like Sam Howell kind of reminds me of like, remember the year they, they, they started or they're going, I don't remember if he actually wound up starting week one or not, but like John Beck, Yeah. like the, 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 the their fans sold themselves on John, John freaking John Beck. And then Jacoby Brissett, like him a lot. Like he actually played great person. Great. Well. Yeah. Like it's kind of like Ron Rivera, right? Totally. Year, you know, kind of like borderline starter, certainly a great backup. He's like Ryan Fitzpatrick to me. You know what I mean? Like you're not winning the give. If he's your starter, you, you can feel good about watching him and whatever. And, and, you know, he's going to, he's going to win some games, but you have a 0% chance of winning the Super Bowl if he's your starter heading into the season. So it's that, I mean, that's where it kind of just begins and ends for me with the commanders and they're, you know, they're scheduled to be, you know, fourth in the NFL, excuse me, in the NFC East in terms of like Super Bowl odds or whatever. And rightfully so. It's funny because like, you know, the, the NFC East hasn't had, or you mentioned like uh, their division, their, their divisional wins in the past. And of course there hasn't been a repeat NFC East champion in almost 20 years back when the Eagles did it in 2004, 2005. They've won, the commanders have won three times during that span. And then I actually looked to see how many times the team that won the division was favored to win the division the next year. 
And I couldn't find that necessarily, but I could find Super Bowl odds for the next year. And I, I'd say about like, it was a little bit more than half the times the team that won the division the prior year had the best Super Bowl odds the next year. And all three times that the commanders won the division, never. Like <laughs> They either didn't have the best Super Bowl odds uh, of the other teams in the NFC East, or it was like pretty widely, like they weren't even close to the team. So like every time they win the division, it's just like, yeah, please, that's not happening again. <laughs> so like, yeah, they are, they are kind of like the, for as bad as the Giants have been, like, like I, like I mentioned earlier, five, you know, the, the five years prior to last year, they had the literal worst record in the NFL. This is still very clearly the worst franchise in the division by a country mile. Um, that's the right note to end on. Um, Jimmy, thank you for walking us through all four dumpster fires. Uh, it was a dumpster diving episode, so to speak. Uh, one last thing before we get, I'm sure no one's ever made that like connection, uh, having you on to talk about the dumpster series. Um, so <laughs> I'm proud to be the first. But uh, last thing, um, every episode, as of like a month ago, we each okay. add a song to an NFC East mixtape playlist. Um, okay. So you're our first guest who gets to add one. Um, so what song would you like to add to the NFC East mixtape playlist? I should made a little trip to ShopRite this morning and in the car. Scenario by Tribe Called Quest. Okay. Okay. And I was uh very nice. I don't think I don't think that's a song that I don't think there's too many people that don't know most of the lyrics to that song. Mm. That's an excellent choice. Jimmy's um, not the biggest music guy, so I really appreciate him taking the time to I preface this to him <laughs> and I say, No, you're not the biggest music guy, but I need a song. So thank you, Jimmy. You got it, buddy. Are you going to send them out, RJ? What are you doing? I, my internet was buffering for a second. So oh, I, was, okay. it was really, I was actually like silently hoping that y'all were still talking because it was if not, it was going to create the awkward no. situation. Uh, well, we Jimmy, obviously, thanks for coming on. You can Everyone can check out Jimmy's work. And these full, obviously, read through these full articles, the Dumpster Fire series on phillyvoice.com. You can also check out Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter, at Jimmy Kemsky. And then, obviously, listen to him on BGN Radio as well, the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Appreciate it, guys. Don't lose any fingers. Nice. uh blg uh a fantastic dumpster series what was your favorite discussion what team um i mean it's hard to say they're just all so good to talk about um i've been reading the dumpster series for a long time and it like it it never misses like it, it's an annual like pickup you know what i mean it's this a great time, time. He, he does it at a very good time of year because nothing else is going on so you know it's kind of just like uh dominates the the cycle for that week and uh yeah jimmy does a good job with them and I think, like, uh, you know, it's nice. We did the Bears episode and the Bullish episode. Um, so we kind of examined some of this stuff. But I think it's still good to revisit it with Jimmy, who puts a lot of time into this. That's what I was going to say. If somebody hasn't read them, um, we just kind of, like, 30,000 foot flew over them. These are all supported by lots of facts. Like, each one of these points. It isn't just, like, him, you know, aimlessly or mindlessly hating on a team. Like, he, he can argue each and every point um if that isn't obvious so well it's also like um dumpster fire we're because like we were saying like bearish in terms of like things right. that could go wrong like he's saying like why they could actually be like a really bad team <laughs> like, like a disaster that season um that is so funny i mean it, it lines up with what we said about how washington's last two division titles were so like fluky it's so funny that like nobody ever believes in them the, the year after they win it you know what i mean like that's a really um it all, all that if you think about it really led to the mixtape because it's just this is just the cowboys and eagles division it's a really funny you know situation i also no, think like man like it is the dumbest thing that the giants are the team with the most super bowls this century of any in the division like that's that's but that's the nfl like it's just it doesn't make sense the, the stars align thing yeah it's just 
It's chaotic. Uh, that's why we love it. It's random. It's fun. I think I, I loved that point, and we had so much to get to it, Jimmy. I wanted this, I wanted to squeeze this in. You mentioned the stars aligned. He mentioned uh, that the Eagles had the best roster in the NFL last year. I agree with both those points, and this all appropriately for this episode reminds me of something Mike McCarthy once said that I don't know that you've ever heard, but I, I liked it a lot. Um, and he said, defense wins championships, but the Super Bowl is won by the quarterback. I loved that line, and I think – but, like, I think that that – like, I think the Super Bowl we just saw is an example of that, right? Like, Jalen Hurts might be the second best quarterback on the NFL, but like the fact that he wasn't the first was just like a, a he was tiny the, little flaw. That I think he was the best quarterback in that game. But like the quarterback, I mean, he also had he was, the like, you know what I, I mean? Know. But like, like that's like okay, it's such a like, it's such a that's what I'm saying. Like it's such he was a still finicky, the, even with that, he was still the better quarterback in that. That's game, what I'm saying. Like say. it's such a finicky game that like the like a one moment positively or negatively can swing things in like a legacy altering way. It's just an amazing game that I don't know why we allow it to become such a big part of our personalities. But here we are. Here um, we are. Time uh, for so, us to pick our songs for the playlist. So, well, a quick scheduling update. So, we're oh. recording this episode on Monday, July 3rd. And this episode's going to publish, um, you're all listening to it, on Wednesday, July 5th. Um, we are going to record next week's episode this Friday, right? That I believe so. Or, yeah, that's the plan. Yes. So, we're going to record this on Friday the, the, the 7th. episode that gets published on July 12th. Right. So we're going to record. This is the first of two episodes that you and I are recording this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we're making sure because I'm going to be traveling next week that everyone's going to have something in their feed next week. Because last time we didn't do that, we got in a lot of trouble. Uh, right. So um, a week anyway. off. It's, a, it's a break. Right. Um, so Jimmy gave us his song. Thank you to Jimmy Kemsky for that. Rachelle has submitted both of her songs for the week. But oh, I'm not we'll going to tell the one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to tell about the second one. I'm just saying I want everyone to know that Rachelle is diligent. Um, so Rachelle's first song is Countdown by Beyonce, an excellent choice. I don't know that it cracks my top five favorite Beyonce songs, but I think that speaks to her catalog as a whole. My friend Jess really loves Renaissance. Obviously, how could he not? Great album. And is going to see Beyonce in concert in Philly here coming up. So really, I'm not going, but she's going and I'm really excited to hear how that goes. She might be the biggest Beyonce fan in the world. Um, so great pick by Jess. Should ask Rachelle if she's going to any of the Beyonce tour. Where's the concert? At the link? Yeah, I believe... Or no, I think it might be at the maybe I guess so that or the Sixers venue, the Wells Fargo. I don't know. One of those two. It's a definitely a stadium venue, of course. Right. It's not the park, right? For sure. Um, so okay. you my go song. First? You... Okay, you go first. Speaking of, um, no, not speaking of anything. But I did the hot ones challenge. I meant to bring that up earlier. Uh, you know, all the ten sauces with the wings. My friends were visiting in town. Did Wait, that I last have, night. I have a quick question, like. Yeah, because I actually recently discovered Hot Ones, the show. Uh, oh wow! So where like, have you been? I know. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I get locked. This is like up your alley too. Like you like I that know kind of stuff. So I've, I've watched like a thousand episodes, like in the last like two weeks. Mm. But like sometimes I get tunnel vision on stuff, and like it's it's hard to crack into that. Um, but anyway, so my question is like, a is this a popular thing like that people do like in their own lives? And I don't B, know. But so like, how did you did you have to buy all the sauces and did you dress like one wing with each sauce? Is like what was the you, know, you can the buy logistics. the kit, like, and they oh, send you all okay. the flavors from the current gotcha. season. That's um, shout out to my friend Ivy who did that. And then, uh, yeah, we got like twenty wings, plain from somewhere, and then uh, no free ads. And then uh, <laughs> we, we, uh, yeah, she individually prepared each one in a little like jar that I had that has a lid on it, so you could like shake it up, like put the sauce in, gotcha. shake it up, gotcha. wash so, it out each time. And uh, I gotta say. The bomb really is that bad. Like it's like literally the second it tasted my tongue, it's just like not a good flavor. Like the, the flavor is like it's like just bad. It's you and, and Jennifer Lawrence, you understand the same pain. 
right it's it's right. honestly like that one and the last one were like just paint like they, they they hurt the last one i thought had a better flavor than the bomb but a lot of pain the first it oh. starts out nice and like you're like oh this isn't so hard and then it just really ramps up and then um you gotta have i so we both had milk and ice cream on handy and i think both of those things were vital they don't like like you know make it magically go away but they definitely take the edge off so i would recommend those if you're going to do it okay well so you were somewhat inspired by the hot ones challenge for your song choice not really but i just wanted to bring that up so i thought it was topical uh no free ads but hot ones the pack right well i mean that's like fun Uh, and it's not an ad it's just you know a fun thing to do uh i'm gonna pick it's called cochise it's that's spelled C-O-C-H-I-S-E by Audio Slave. I've been listening to some Audio Slave recently. Uh, I feel like another good summer kind of band. Uh, for those who don't know, Audio Slave has three of the four members from Rage Against the Machine and the late, great Chris Cornell. Um, rest in peace. And uh, yeah, it's the first song on that album, their first album. And I think that's a really cool album to listen to from front to back. So uh, check it out if you're looking for a good song and a good album. Um, that is a good choice. Um, this is a, a more eclectic week. And I say that in a good way. Like, I like that. Like, I don't like when we have, like, we've done this, what, now four or five weeks? Like, I don't like when it's, like, the same kind of vibe, same kind of song, like, over and mm-hmm. over. That's not fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is probably the heaviest song on the playlist, I would say. Yeah, I mean, but that's what it's going to take. We got to build mm-hmm. out some, you know, fancy schmancy you know music and some also hardcore crazy and some like upbeat some slow you know we want this to be a mixtape that's the whole point that's right Um, baby so uh my song um i this might be like a have you ever heard of hot ones thing like i don't know anyone who's heard of this except for my friend steven he was the person who introduced me to this um not steven our mutual friend um but uh so my friend steven introduced me to this band like 10 years ago and the only other person i've ever seen reference them was um do you know who Grant Gustin is? He plays or played uh, The Flash on the TV show. Um, so I, they, this band that I'm about to tell you performed at like a VMAs or CMAs. And it wasn't CMAs, but like they performed at something. And he tweeted. I remember that like that night. He was like, oh, my gosh, they're performing. This is so cool. So I always associate this band with Grant Gustin. Um, and it is Vintage Trouble. You're aware of Vintage Trouble is. Never heard of him. Okay, so we're all a little bit off the, except for Rachel with Beyonce. I mean, <laughs> so uh, Rachel with like a you know super renowned uh, person. Obviously, the song is called "Still and Always Will." Some great guitar, like bluesy sort of uh, riffing, um, and I think people will enjoy it. It's a great song to like okay. have on in the background of like a cookout or something like that. Well, by now everyone has celebrated the Fourth of July, uh, but mm. for that, for you, you have the gift of being able to listen to it um, on your Fourth of July. So. Still a long summer. I'm sure people can. Uh... Use it later on. Um, now, you spelled out the song. You don't have to spell it out if you subscribe to the playlist on Apple Music. Uh, we put the uh, the link to that. We also need to start including the Spotify list as well. Um, we have a loyal listener uh, who has done that, curated the songs on Spotify. What's their uh, name? I'm looking it up. So if you can buy me some time. I, I'm blanking right <laughs> I know now. I you didn't know it. So I wanted <laughs> oh, to... I'm trying to find <laughs> the tweet right now. Yeah, but we appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's been fun adding to this i don't do we put kiss song in there i was trying to i don't remember we if we okay oh uh, i guess he wasn't that one i guess jimmy wasn't the first but um well i mean he was the first guest kissed was not a guest he's just our producer he's guest producer that week which Ooh. you know we appreciate but he wasn't like on i mean he, he talked for a little bit but not to us so it's a little different uh um, and also is still like you know he's vox affiliated jimmy was our first non-company person to contribute to the playlist and I'm surprised 
that uh, he was able to do it. Because again, uh, we've talked about music before on BGN Radio, and I was like, can you tell me like an artist or a band you like? And he could not name one. So Talking about Jimmy, not Kiss? Yeah, yeah, Jimmy. So um, uh, I was worried that he might struggle, but he he had a good he had a good one. He picked one that he heard, and uh, I think that's it, fun. Sometimes you go somewhere, you hear something in the store, get a song stuck in your head. It's a good time. It is DC from GB is the display name. Um, has a I don't know the character's name, but a Dragon Ball Z character um, as their profile picture on Twitter. Um, it was difficult to find because of. Well, Twitter these days. Uh, Twitter handle is at DC underscore seven zero nine. DC from GB has their uh, baseball, basketball, NFL, and NHL teams listed in their Twitter bio. Do you want to hear this? Because sure. you're somebody who hates like, oh, if you're from Philly, you have to root for other Philly teams. Uh, it says MLB, Blue Jays, NBA, Raptors, NFL, Eagles. So, you know, kind of all geographically related. I mean, so it sounds like he's yeah, from Toronto. NHL, Bruins. That's interesting. I would, right? hmm, yeah, I don't know. The first, two, okay, yeah, Raptors, Blue Jays, you're in Toronto. Yeah, like, the ma- maybe, well, maybe the, ma- it's like- the Maple Leafs are like <laughs> historically like very depressing and like embarrassing. Like the NFL's version of the, or the NHL's version of the, um, yeah, would you say so? Well, there's the like so. the drought, you know what I mean? Like there's you know, whatever. I, I, but so. Yeah, but I mean, I think the Cowboys have like one, you know, like division titles and stuff. I don't even know if the Blue Jays are sorry, the Maple Leafs have done that really so much. But I don't know. Not the biggest hockey guy. But let's wrap this up. Um, OK, thank you uh, to the world. Uh, thank you to the world. Um, yeah, the world. Um, as we go, Brandon, can you tell us something? Tell me something you will and everyone else something you did eat um, on the 4th of July. Oh, man. I think we're going to have a barbecue, so I'm going to guess some burgers and dogs. Keep it simple. That's all you need. What goes on your dog? Nothing. <laughs>